Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of All Things Suck. And as the title suggests, I do believe that is true with everything around the world. I have one exception though, and joining me is my special guest who I don't believe sucks because, you know, you, you made time to come and join me. It is the lovely, the fantastic, the very, very funny Jordan Gray. Hello. All right, John Joe. How are we tonight? I am fantastic, thank you. How are you doing, my dear? How are you today? All right, thanks. That's a really lovely introduction, and it is the first of its kind. I've never been introduced by being sort of described as an individual that doesn't suck. Not that I receive the opposite on frequent occasion. It's just a nice way of introducing someone. Like, this person that I'm going to introduce you to now definitively doesn't suck. That's that's nice. I like that quite a lot. I, I find that anyone who's willing to take the time to have a have a conversation to, you know, and to hear... I mean, because, you know, I'm going to be hearing some of your grievances. You're going to hear some of mine. So I think that's a nice way of saying it. You know, I believe at this moment in time, you don't suck because you are willing <laughs> to take the time to hear me talk loads of shit. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I like as well that yeah. So it's not it's not definitive like uh, forever. It's not a permanent state of being. It's just right now. I don't suck. But <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. opinions do change after a while, don't they? Um, <laughs> I respect. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, no promises, no guarantees. No, I'm sure we'll be absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> oh, I made that sound very unconvincing. Uh, so, Jordan, <laughs> I'm going to ask you. Let's just let's just get straight into it. What in the world of Jordan Gray sucks? fire alarms right and i know i know that that's a bold stance to come from like anti-fire alarm right because i'm sure if i needed it and it, it, it was like effective in some emergency i'd i'd enjoy it i'm i hate them so much because they'll go off if you're cooking toast don't let me buy a toaster if it's going to set off a fire alarm or don't make me have a fire alarm in the house like, you don't have to be a scientist to own a toaster, and yet that sets off something that I don't know how to switch off. Either that or teach me how to switch it off, like, in school. Like, do you know how to switch off a fire alarm? And it, it's not just the button. It's, I just, just, I just the smack button. the thing. I just I just keep hitting it with a broom handle. It's like, come on, shut up, shut up. Exactly. And it's not just that. I've got, I've got Jack Russell dogs, so um, as soon as that alarm goes off, they're barking, they're howling. Even 10 minutes after the alarm's gone off, they will still be yapping at you. It's like, shut the fuck up, it's gone. It's not going to And it does that one little blip and they go at it again. <laughs> it's like, no, shut up. It, that was just a warning. It's not It's not the actual alarm. Don't worry, that was nothing. You're trying to, con you're trying to convince four animals that don't actually know what you're saying to them. You try to go, no, it's not real. It's not an alarm. Beep. No, don't worry, that's not an alarm. That's just, that's just the noise it makes. That's just the noise it makes. Exactly. It's not the alarm. I don't know what that's for. My the reason why I bring it up, it's the most recent thing that sucks, is because my wife, bless it, it just ours just bleeped and she said, What does that mean? And I don't know what that means. I don't know if it means the battery's <laughs> low or if there's a tiny fire somewhere, but it just makes me feel stupid. And I'm a person that really doesn't like to feel stupid. I like to think I know everything. <laughs> Where would the tiny fire be located actually inside the alarm itself? Yeah, just like so you know, there's there a little fire going on. Beep. Yeah, um, if the fire was located to the fire alarm, that'd be all of our problems solved. Just let it take itself out. It'll cancel each other out. It just makes me feel stupid. I don't like that. I don't know how to use it. And also, I live in a flat, so every time it goes off, like I feel like I've done something wrong. And then I, because obviously I'm affecting everyone else, they're all going, oh, bloody fire upstairs. Like, and I've got to stand there, like a, I don't know, like a Neanderthal with a tea towel, like blow. <laughs> you have to, like, we all think that you should blow the smoke away to try and trip the fire alarm. <laughs> but if you were watching, <laughs> if you were like an alien and you saw us doing that, you'd go, why aren't they blowing out the fire? <laughs> like the source of the smoke. You just blow the fire alarm. It makes me feel like an idiot in my own house. I always used to imagine that if aliens do watch us and, you know, they must see some incredible sights. Imagine that the one day, the one screen they go onto, they go, right, um... Right, we've um, we, we we scoured the earth. Now it's time to look at the UK because apparently the UK has got some interesting individuals. Why is this person blowing onto a fire alarm? Um, yeah, I think we'll skip this planet. We won't give them the secret to eternal youth. Uh, let's 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 go to Venus. Um, what I love most about that description is the way you said, like they just look on one of their screens, <laughs> like they've got. Like in your mind, I can I totally see where you're coming from. So they've got like a, a, a giant uh, IMAX of all like a million screens from. But the question I then pose to you is, where are those feeds coming from? Is it because they've got loads of hidden cameras 
or are they are they thousands of satellites zoomed in really close to like yeah they're, so they're miniature satellites right <laughs> they're, they're miniature satellites that are just flying about the place you know they've um, they've they've basically been around for years you just don't see them because they're that tiny they could be right behind you now as you're speaking you know they're they're conveying everything that you say I like that. I like the idea of something that should become so ubiquitous that we do, like uh, octopi. This is something that I'm, I used to be embarrassed to admit it, but now I'm just sticking with it. I don't think octopi are uh, indigenous to our planet. I think that they were seeded a really long time ago. Maybe not squids, but definitely octopus uh, from like another civilization. But we've got so used to them that we're just like, oh, look how weird they are. But like, they are too weird to be here. They're not like anything else. Yeah, do you think the octopus have got that look because they looked at a squid and they went, right, we don't want to seem too suspicious to the squid community. <laughs> We've got to make ourselves look a little bit different. Um, right, right, you see there's ten. Yep, take two off. We're, we're gonna have we're gonna have eight legs. What? Yeah, yeah, come on, we can do this, guys. We can do this. That won't you're, be you're out of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> this this is a great a premise for a podcast I have to say because it allows for ta- us to go off on tangents I have to uh, uh, that just reminded me of something I saw on Twitter the other day somebody said do you think Jeff Goldblum is just an alien from another planet who's not trying very hard to fit in and we're all just like okay I think what is Jeff Goldblum he's probably I don't know he's on some like alien moon dust all the time because whenever you see him on on this camera we ever see him on screen he always looks like he's completely spaced out but he looks like he's loving every moment of it and maybe maybe that's just natural maybe it's just because he's seeing the human race he goes wow you guys are you guys are you guys are great you know um uh, i'd love to be in his mind yeah yeah everything (laughs) that he thinks is a surprise to himself Mm. so if he talks like oh my God, I can't realise uh, this thing that just happened to me. It's like that happened to you. You're telling a story about what happened to you in the street like an hour ago and you're on Jimmy Kimmel telling it, but he's surprised by his own stories all the time. <laughs> do, uh, do, you, do you know what? I, I look at Jeff Goldblum because he is a fantastic actor, but is when you rewatch some of his films, especially I think from like Jurassic Park onwards, he does just have that that feeling about him as if he's if he's just stumbled on the set and they've just gone right um you know you know your lines don't you yes of, of course i do yes um and i think because he does that that whole mumble thing as he talks like he does the uh goes yeah yeah life uh finds a way i reckon yeah. they probably just said to him right we need a line go um they just got the camera in front of him he's like uh, life uh finds a way Right, gold. That's it. We're, we're making a billion dollars on this one. Um. Oh, absolutely. That's exactly what they did, though. With um, with Thor Ragnarok, he plays the Grand Master. Oh yes, he does. And it's like thirty to forty percent improvised stuff, and it's the best stuff. Of course, it is. It's hard to retro engineer that to make yeah. something look natural when you're given the line is is a masterful craft to Im- to improvise is of course very easy if you've got the confidence but both look identical on screen they just look like amazing acting he's just making it up because he's an alien he's got a movie career on earth maybe that was it maybe he got the part thinking oh i feel like i'm at home again i mean yes i'm acting yes um that's it that's just who he is (laughs) i I love that idea i love that idea he literally got the part and he was like um yes i can i can just be i can just be myself now this this guy is basically telling me just to do what feels natural this is how i command my my own peasants on my own planet um it's it's that, it's that kind of feeling. He's he probably and you know I reckon it's the same thing as well. He probably just he probably just turned up on the set one day and they went, uh, yeah, you, um, Jeff Goldblum, yes, yes, we want. Can you can you do a few shots for us? Can you uh can you get in front of the camera for us? And I just imagine he just went, well, okay, I guess uh I guess I can do that. And I I think even to this day, I reckon half of the films he makes, he probably doesn't even remember because he just he just he just. He just has such a grace about him that he can just bump through a movie. He can just literally just do his own thing. And then you go, yeah, that was Jeff Goldblum in that movie. And you go, yes, we know. But does Jeff Goldblum know he was in that movie? (laughs) (laughs) He does have an odd grace. I think that's what it is. He's like a wounded flamingo. He's very graceful, (laughs) but he he moves at unusual angles. (laughs) All right, so Jeff Goldblum definitely doesn't suck. No, Joe, if Jeff if Jeff Goldblum, if I was to ever meet Jeff Goldblum, I think that'd be like one of only three people I would actually bow to and say, "I respect <laughs> you. I love you, sir. You are fantastic." That would yeah. yeah. <laughs> he serves a bow or a curtsy or an acknowledgement of some kind that we know that he is a higher being. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think he could handle 
He'd probably a fire alarm went off in his house. He'd just treat it like some sort of like dancing marionette on the ceiling. He'd just be like, oh, this is I like this thing. And, he, and he'd sing along with it, exactly. He would say, that reminds me of some obscure jazz song that no one's ever heard of. And then he'd like, and he'd say, yeah, it'd be amazing. It, it doesn't work on the microphone, but I was literally like almost like going side to side then thinking, yes, this is actually quite a good song. It goes a woo-woo, a woo-woo, a woo-woo. <laughs> That that's just that's just uh, all I can imagine in his mind. He just goes a woo woo a woo woo. That's that's it. Everything's all right with Jeff. Everything in his life is just he's he's quite happy with. Whereas I look at a fire alarm like a little Nazi barnacle on the ceiling telling me what to do. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum just thinks it's a magical fairy. He loves it. Oh god, do you know what? I just I don't know why, but I'm starting almost think like the like the great gazoo from from Flintstones. But instead of the great gazoo appearing in front of you, it's Jeff Goldblum. He goes, hey. That fire alarm, that it's not seen as a bad thing. It's here to warn <laughs> you, dum dum. Um, just something like that, you know. Just it's uh, great to see. Was that the little alien that? Yeah, just yeah, the little green appeared alien for the sole purpose of propping up viewership because they'd run out of stuff to do with the other characters. Yeah, but it's like any cartoon. They just went, yeah. Should we get a little companion? Should we just get a little companion? We'll stick him in the cartoon. That'll do. Um, yeah. No. It's... Hey, we got Scooby Doo. How about we give him Scrappy Doo, his little nephew? No. Well, we got him. Um. <laughs> it's a great premise. It's sort of, I like. I like to think that what was his name? The, the Great Gazoo. The Great Gazoo. I like to think he laid down the groundwork for such like cinematic masterpieces as Cowboys versus Aliens. It's like <laughs> the idea of, of mixing up because he basically was like straight out the Jetsons, wasn't he? Like he could have been a character in the Jetsons, but they were like, hang mm. on, what's because there's also Hanna Barbera, yeah. and then. I like to think, I don't know, like their dog that's actually a dinosaur walked through a wormhole and it just appears in the Jetsons house. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this, we brought it back from the from the past. And right, like just like that, we're back to Jeff Goldblum because that is the premise of Jurassic Park. <laughs> I just imagine when all these cartoons were being made, especially the Hanna-Barbera ones, the amount of drugs that must have been consumed during that time. Right, we've got this idea. Now, it's for a modern day family, but they live in the Stone Age. But they have technology used by, like, basically use dinosaurs as like modern day technology. So they have a dinosaur for a shower. They have a dinosaur for a garbage disposal. They actually have cars. They have cars, but they use their feet to pedal the cars. Um, <laughs> yes, and yes, mate. Um, yeah, do you remember we're not the film? Make this cartoon. <laughs> oh God, the. Do you remember the, the, the live action film? And the was, end was, there was that they two of them. concrete. Yeah, oh, I, I could. I never watched the second one. Oh, trust me, you really don't want to. The second one is fucking awful it's one of the movies that i remember watching i think i remember watching it around a friend's house watching the uh, yeah because it was fever rock vegas so it wasn't even a sequel uh. it had none of the original cast and that one had the great kazoo as well that was a no that way was a, yeah um i think it was alan cummins that actually played him as well so it was a it was it was really freaky but it was one of these movies i remember watching around a friend's house and i think he Obviously, do you remember the days when you could rent a film from Blockbuster? That was oh, uh... yeah, we used to rent The Simpsons on VHS. Oh god, VHS. Do you know what? I've still got a load of VHS. I I've got nothing to play them on, but I've still got a load of VHS tapes around. Uh, but it, it was. I remember watching this film, and uh, even like at about twelve, thirteen years old, I was thinking, "This is bloody awful. This is like." <laughs> This is, this is like, I feel embarrassed watching this. How can anyone obviously think this was a good idea to make this into a movie? And when you obviously grow up, when you get a bit older, you watch a lot of these programs and you see like the making of and you see all this. And I remember yeah. there was some, there was some story about the second Flintstones movie. And they said that they had to make a film. Otherwise they would have lost the rights to it. And literally they just picked any actor that was willing to audition for the part. And they just went, um, oh, you know, Mark Addy, the, oh, the fella from the Full Monty. Yeah, yeah we're going to get him to play Fred Flintstone. <laughs> okay. Oh, um, I... you, you, you know, um, oh, what, what's her name? Uh, Kristen Johnson, the, the girl from Third Rock from the Sun. Oh, yeah, we need to get her a really, really good comedy role because she's an upcoming star. Yeah, we're going to make her Wilma in this shit show. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I remember that. I do remember her as that. Is that the same reason then why we've got like why there were like four spider-man reboots within the same like five years yes. because because sony owned spider-man so that's why they had to make an andrew garfield like intermediate spider-man because otherwise they would have lost it that was basically it because they they had to uh the toby mcguire jesus we're going into like proper 
different um, category there. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Tobey Maguire ones, they were supposed to make a Spider-Man 4. And I think the, um, the heads at Sony were pressuring the studio. They said, right, we need this film in the next 18 months. And Sam Raimi went, well, that's impossible. We haven't actually got a full written script to the film. We haven't got any casting sort of that. They went, well, do okay. it. We can, we can, we need this film out. We're going to make, we're going to make millions on this movie. We have to do it. And it basically was because the Marvel Cinematic Universe was growing and they just had to have something to basically, this was their side to balance it. They had to say, you've got the MCU, but we still got Spider-Man. And when that all yeah. fell through, Sam Raimi just went, yeah, do you know what? I can't do this anymore. I'm going. And I think there was something in his get out clause when he left the film. They couldn't just then do another sequel. But they said, oh, we can reboot it, though, if we do enough things differently. All right, what are we going to do different? Right, well, you, you know, instead of having Mary Jane, yes, we're going to have Gwen Stacy. Okay. And um, oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And oh, also as well, also as well, you know that we had... Um, we had a, a 27-year-old playing Spider-Man in the first film. Yeah, we're going to get a 26-year-old to play Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that works. Um, it, I, I, I can't remember the exact thing, but I think they, they had to have at least, I think it had to be something like 25% intellectually different to be able to make the... Oh, the, the all right, that it's some, a lot. It's some weird thing, but when you watch it... Because they did it, pick quite like, an obscure like, villain as well. He's got a great rogues gallery yeah. of like a villains but they picked a really obscure one didn't they electro the lizard's a good one but picking electro yeah. for it i appreciate we're getting quite <laughs> niche now but that is my favorite thing about long form podcasting is that people are like okay so so long as they change subjects frequently enough i know that even if i don't like spider-man in a minute they'll be talking about you know beards or you know the state of the iguana population in malaysia or something how like. is the state of the iguana population in malaysia well, I, I don't know, but I can tell you that beards. <laughs> I honestly um, thought you were going to go, well, the population has been going down rapidly since 2014. Are they even indigenous to Malaysia? I picked, I just picked a word. <laughs> Sometimes right, I just, in my head, I've got a certain syllable count. And once I hit that, I just stopped talking. And that was, that was the, I needed to just get that many out. And Malaysia sounded about right. I don't know if they have, I don't know how many reptiles they've got in Malaysia, species wise. I'd love to see if anyone messages after this to go, uh, actually, actually, we've not had um, we've not had any reptiles of any sort in Malaysia since the mid 80s. So jokes on you. <laughs> since, the, um, since the great reptile wars of 2008 that none of you heard about. Yeah, since the great reptile uprising, they said, no, we're not going to stand for this anymore. We're going back to wherever we Vegas. want to go to. We, yes, yeah. we're, going, we're going to Vegas, baby. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh man. Right. So, so we've established. So I this think... all started from fire alarms, and all of a sudden we've gone from that to Jeff Goldblum to superhero movies, now to iguanas. <laughs> yeah, all of those things. Like I give or take iguanas, but most of those other things. Like so, yeah, the Flintstone films suck. I think we're hitting about fifty-fifty on things that don't and do suck. Yeah. We're like a we're like a temp uh, a temperamental vacuum cleaner. Fifty <laughs> percent of it sucks, and fifty yeah. percent of the time it doesn't. Um, what, what have you got anything this week, John Joe, that you've been thinking about that just sucks so bad? Anything oh. that you've been thinking about? Now, I would, I would definitely divide the British population with this one. I would say the soaps. Now, stuff like the Coronation Street. Program. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Um, yeah, you know the, the, the actual cleansing, the cleansing stuff. Um, I might not like it, but I do find it still essential to my everyday I do life. Respect it. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no. Stuff like EastEnders, Coronation Street. I have many reasons why I can't watch it. One thing, because I always find the acting is just beyond comprehension. And it's just like, oh, no, don't hit him, Phil. Oh, Phil, you hit him. <laughs> um, it's just stuff like that. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, um, it's like, oh, no, I'm pregnant. And it's your father's baby. Yeah. It's like, okay. But it's not just that. But the one thing I always got annoyed about with the soaps, I, I, I can't watch them anyway, that's fine. But it's when someone talks about it and they go, oh, do you know what? I bought the, I bought the TV magazine. And they said, oh, they said that, that um, Cat Slater's going to be leaving the show. It's like, right. So, and they and then, then talk about it the next day going, oh, Cat left the show. I went, yeah, you already told me that she leaves leaving the show because you said that you read it. Why would you yeah. read it in the magazine, then watch Absolutely. it, and then just think, oh, do you know, it done the exact same thing as it said. Really, did and, it? 
because like, the acting is so rudimentary and so basic, it's only there to serve the purpose of the story. It's not like you go, oh, that, that was an amazing performance last night when Cat Slater left. All that it's there to do is serve the purpose of showing you that Cat Slater's left. So if you've already read it, you don't, you definitely mm. don't need to watch it. If I find out what happens in uh, Captain America 5, the world is ending, right? Like, <laughs> I'll watch the movie, so I'm like, wow, that's... I'll know, spoiler, but I do still want to find out how it happens. I still want to see it explode. Yeah. I still want to see all the acting. Finding out Cat Slater is leaving... There's, you're not going to find any surprises. There's going to be no twist. There's not going to be a standout performance. You pick one or the other. I totally agree. Read the magazine or watch the TV show. Definitely. What you're missing out on. <laughs> Do you know what I find amazing is that obviously you read it in the magazine, you find out within two minutes, you find out the storylines for that week. But if you want to watch it, you've got to watch basically two hours of TV to tell you what you read in two minutes of written article. It's like, that's insane. It's like the people who say, oh yeah, Joe, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think it's like, you know, I'm going to watch a two-hour film instead of reading the book for 15 hours because, you know, that makes more sense. No, it doesn't. If anything, watch watch the soap that you obviously are wanting to invest your time in and then maybe read the article because there might be some behind-the-scenes gossip you want to find about find out about yes, you might yeah. you might have something you might go oh do you know what um the the girl that plays cat slater do you know she's actually going to hollywood she's going to be in the new james bond obviously she ain't gonna be in a james bond film um, <laughs> that, that sounds quite rude i mean but I, you know if jesse wallace ends up in a james bond film i'll tell you what i'll literally go to her house and i'll apologize to her but she's never <laughs> going to be in a james bond film that's what i'm going to say right now ah <laughs> uh, it's cat slater's the uh I'm not your mother. Yes, I am. That's yes. Cat Slater, isn't it? I'd like I, that is seared into British public consciousness. I never used to watch that, and I still know that. I'm not saying there's nothing at all redeemable about the soaps because there are some <laughs> things that obviously have stuck with pop culture in the UK for many years, and even even I've got friends in America who have quoted me stuff from EastEnders, and I go how the hell do you know this stuff? And I go, well, we have yeah. BBC America. I was like, oh, yes, of course, yes. Because, um, you know, most people in America, all they want to see is some grotty East End little town city place wherever. And they go, yes, um, yeah, so what did you watch today? What did you watch today, darling? Um, I was, do you know what? I was watching that new sitcom, The Big Bang Theory. What was you, what was you watching? Oh, I, I just saw something about um, two English blokes fighting over this woman who's not really that attractive, but apparently they're fighting for her and she don't know which one she's having the baby with. Ah, okay. Um, How charming. Yeah, they like our stuff, don't they? They, I think, I keep hearing all the time, and I, I, I'm a TV writer now, that's what I do with a lot of my time. I keep hearing how Americans don't un, don't understand irony and sarcasm. They obviously do. That's a ridiculous analogy. It's it's a very broad thing to say, but they do because there isn't as much of it in American mainstream broadcasting. Obviously, the big sitcoms are all American. Mm. The big about multi-camera sitcoms. They do like watching our stuff because it makes them feel like a little bit superior, like understanding levels of irony. That's what I found personally. They they love when they quote how good our stuff is. They say because it is very uh, deeply rich with levels of irony and levels of cosmic and comic irony um yeah and so and you're not getting that from the soaps either <laughs> so yeah i don't know what who gets anything out of our export of soaps yeah i mean i think with sitcoms sitcoms have really i hate to say it but especially in the uk sitcoms have really devolved over the say the last 15 to 20 years if you think back to, and obviously this is a little bit before my time mostly, um, being a 32-year-old, um, but, you know, I my favourite sitcoms are stuff like um, Blackadder, Faulty Towers. I am, you know, Blackadder is probably my favourite sitcom of all time. It's one of them shows that is just so timeless, it's clever, it's always so ridiculously, it's always ridiculously funny. It's always got that yeah. charm, that humour to it. It's always able to lift you up if you've had a real bad day. And then you watch something now. I mean, what sitcoms are on in the UK at the moment? You know, you've got Mrs. Brands Boys. And don't get me wrong, Mrs. Brands Boys does provide an innocent, well, not an innocent laugh. You know, some of the stuff in there is proper dirty and smutty. Yeah. But yeah, it's quite <laughs> but it's it's not it's not a comedy that you'd go yeah do you know what that that bit was so good and it was so memorable yeah no it's not like that at all it's literally because it's there and it provides a couple of laughs and then that's it you know that's your half hour done but yeah if the got... laughs are coming like as the result of a funny accent 
then that's, mm. no, that doesn't count. That's yeah. like musical comedy, getting a laugh because you rhymed two words together. That annoys me. That mm. really annoys me. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Multi-camera sitcoms, i.e. films on a stage, live studio audience, used to be for clever people. Like Blackadder is is so witty, it's so quotable. It's, mm. it's wordy and you feel clever for understanding the jokes, but it doesn't exclude either. Um, Faulty Towers, amazing. We don't really have any, in my opinion now, there are very, very few now. Um, Upstart Crow was the, the, yes, late, the, the last... the Shakespeare one, yes. Yeah, that was the last multi-camera British sitcom I can even think of. Everything else is, you know, your, your single cameras. And that's devolving as well. American TV is getting amazing and British comedy. As somebody who's writing in British comedy, I don't want <laughs> to, like, there's some amazing comedy, but I think the best comedy is wrapped up in the comedy dramas, like dramedies. I think, uh, obviously, um, uh, Fleabag is, was incredibly well received. And it is a comedy. It's a drama, but yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad com or a, a dramedy, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. A sad com, yeah. Um, that's, that's a great way to say it. Yeah, Joe, we've got this comedy show, but you're going to feel really upset after you've watched it. Oh, tell me more. Um... Yeah, it's a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, it, but you know, I think I think the big shift in sitcom was back in early two thousands when you started getting stuff like The Office. You started getting these um, that, that they felt a bit more real because of how they were being shot. They were kind of like the it was repopularizing the mockumentary style. And you know, not just from that, you've also got The Office in America. You have Parks and Recreation. That yeah, absolutely amazing. Curb your enthusiasm. That- Kirby Enthusiasm as well. Yeah. How did I forget that? That is probably one of the best examples of a comedy because it's just so good, so pure and so funny. But at the same time, it's gritty, it's raw, and it's probably one of the most realistic sitcoms because it's just it's just, it's just, just as it goes kind of thing. It's just Larry David just literally goes, uh, yeah, Joe, you know um, yeah, my, my main problem today is that someone gave me a gave me a hundred dollar bill but you know it was all folded up and do you know where they gave it to me from they told they took it out of their sock and gave it to me and he makes a half (laughs) hour episode out of that larry david would be the perfect guest for all things suck he would be if you can make that happen i would i'd love to to chat with larry david because i just do i just imagine that everything i say to him he would literally go well, I can <laughs> I can top that. I can top that. Uh, it, yeah. And it, it just be it just. Uh, Joel, I'd go, Joel. You fucking do it. You know, I know you can. You you are you are the legend of comedy. You are the man who brought Seinfeld to a hundred million people a week. You are the guy who can actually prove yourself to be a comedy god. No one else yeah. has probably ever reached that level. No one else will ever reach that level. So I'd go, yeah, Joe, what? Joe, even Joe, I'll turn my microphone off. You just rant for an hour and I'll just I'll just broadcast it. That'll be it. <laughs> it yeah, yeah. And you know, it'd be gold. It would all be gold because the man is just exudes. He, he finds everything in life annoying, which is why him and Jerry Seinfeld get on so, so well. They both just find every little thing annoying. That I swear there comes a point where you stop like you, you can tell sometimes when you're talking to a comedian because they're always on and they're trying to make everything funny but after a point when it's your career that just seeps into like that's your neutral gear everything you say is peppered with a little tag and a little funny irony or something and yeah everything he says makes me laugh Larry David um but yeah that so that see that era that earlier you're talking about so when they rebooted the office in america and you had that nbc thursday night lineup of the american office parks and recreation 30 rock and community in mm. my head those are the four uh, jewels in the american comedy yeah. sitcom crown that that is the perfect lineup yeah. um i got into parks and rec quite late but now it's on all the streaming services <laughs> uh, but yeah that's a, that's comedy gold and yeah you yeah i think um that Curb was in there somewhere. I don't know if it was NBC, but it was around that same time. Ah, uh, I love talking about. Yeah, I think with a lot of these shows, I mean, this is where you know I do say that going on from like soaps, there is a lot of modern day shows that really do. They they don't have it. They don't have that spark, that 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 bit of imagination. And it was weird to see a show like The Office. Something that just goes, well, Joe, we're going to show the workplace, but we're going to show it from a different view. We're actually going to show it as if, you know, we've got people following these guys and girls. We've actually got cameramen that are going to be, you know, recording their lives. And I think because we were starting to get that that time of all these reality shows starting to bubble up. So we started getting, you know, Big Brother, started getting The Farm, started getting all these other 
um, like oh, yeah. terrible oh. TV shows. But yeah. um, I think because we had that starting to come up and the idea that, you know, not all this has to be literally with real people. We can still have a little bit of imagination. We can still put on some situations that may look like what you're seeing on everyday TV. I think that's where it really did work. And that was why The Office was a massive hit. That's why Parks and Recreation is now seen as one of the greatest sitcoms of all time because they captured something that most people wouldn't think about because they think, well, hang on, it looks like any show that I could watch on, like, you know, on Channel 4 or whatever, like some of these shows where they are literally following, like, a group for however long. But because you know this is acting, you know that this is something that's a little bit you know, a little bit out there, they can be a bit more wild and wacky with it. And I think that that part of TV, I think, kind of ruined sitcom after that. And it's it's not a fair assumption to make that, but I think because where you had this change in TV, you had the change of how people were consuming TV, the average sitcom just couldn't survive. And that's why I think in the UK, I think that's why we struggle now with sitcoms, because, you know, a benchmark was hit, and we've not been able to really reach that or go beyond that since. Yeah, the the whole idea that you, something's working, so just keep making versions of that that will yeah. obviously never live up to it. So that, that is how you guarantee yourself second place is by copying somebody else. Like, <laughs> so, and since, yeah, since it's reached a ceiling, rather than innovate the form, it's a case of the entire industry just wanting to play it safe. Uh, and you keep, you see, see these shows where you just pick a location, i.e. chicken shop. And they're like, yeah, okay, the chicken shop. Right, and then there's this guy, and he wants to date this girl, but then she's got a boyfriend, so he that kind of gets in the way. Make sure there's conflict on every page, blah, 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 blah. That's all good rudimentary stuff, but if that's the only goal, is just let's make the perfect sitcom, like putting together a pre-built piece of Lego, you know, like a, a Lego model, mm. you're only ever going to get a fancy Lego model. Like, <laughs> that sounds obvious, and it kind of sounds like I stopped talking about sitcoms and just started talking about Lego. <laughs> but the analogy is that, like, and then something comes along that's innovative, and it takes a risk, which is so hard now because money is tight, so they don't want to take a risk. When it does and it pays off, everyone says, "Oh, that's amazing! Now we should do that." So for the next five years, everything's going to be like Fleabag, you know, and it, but it will never be as good as I, I think Fleabag's great. I'm not holding it up as the most amazing comedy of all time. I do think it's rather good. Um, but yeah, when something comes along that challenges the form and is successful, all of a sudden, in hindsight, everyone's like, "Well, of course, that's brilliant. Let's all do that." Yeah, you've just got to, you've got to have a somebody really got to believe in a project now for it to work because there's just too much. There's not enough money floating around to just throw stuff at the spaghetti at the wall like they used to back in the eighties. I think with TV as well, as we're saying, like you know, you said that the budgets ain't there for a lot of them. They don't want to. They don't want to risk too much money on something that might be a bit risque, a little bit. Um, a little bit too experimental and that's why you get you know that's why for the last 15 or 20 years we've had so many reality shows that are just cringy and horrible and that's something as well i really do think sucks there is too many reality shows that are just they take whatever premise they can get it literally goes yeah can we film it cheaply yes do we have to pay the people no okay let's do it um that's you know oh, yeah, anything one... to guarantee a, a shock yeah, yeah. There's one I've seen advertised. I've not watched it. I've seen plenty of adverts on TV and I've seen it in a newspaper as well. One called 90 Day Fiance, which just sounds... <gasps> my sister was just telling me about that. Oh my God, yeah. My sister literally just explained the whole premise. So people that had basically had, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they've known each other for a long time. And now, because 90 days is the amount of time it takes to get a visa, so it's always people that are dating someone in another country. And... Like, apparently the appeal is seeing these poor, say, guy, he's got a, a, a wife, uh, no, a, a wife in air quotes, um, in the Ukraine who's, like, stringing him along. And the appeal to my sister, she says, is that you just see him go back there, like, five times and sit in a little restaurant with his little bow tie and a flower waiting for her. And she never shows up and she's always got a more elaborate excuse because, of course, it's a scam. But he, once you've been to the Ukraine, let's say, two or three times... You can't back down and say, oh, I'm an idiot. You've just got to be like, well, what? Oh, that's a shame. I'll just go back again. So, yeah, it's an infinite cycle of just sort of pain and loneliness. Uh, yeah, I've, I had the whole lowdown from her the other day, and I, I shan't be watching, not to cast aspersions, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm <laughs> not going to. Yeah, but do you know what I think, though, is that some people must be so desperate to get on TV. And it's, can you imagine when the applications for these shows go out? They go, hey, are you dating someone halfway across the world that you haven't met yet? 
Would you like us to get you a flight over there so you can try and meet them? Hey, sign up today. Yeah, you're only going to be broadcast to millions of people and you know you won't be able to ever show your face again, but we want you. That's that's literally <laughs> how it feels when you see that come up. I, I love to see the, how the, the audition process goes for a show like that. What if do you think else. is the most... Yeah, what, what would be the most embarrassing game show that you would go on? Like what? What? What would be the most embarrassing one that I would go on? Um, yeah, like so. So there's some reality let, of, of ones that already exist. Let's say reality shows or game shows because there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. There's some that you just like you wouldn't go near the barge pole because you're like, yeah, that's going to ruin my life forever. Clearly, that's <laughs> this show is not designed with my best intentions in mind. And then there's something like Millionaire. We like, yeah, why not? I might win a million, and they don't make you look like an idiot. But then yeah. there's like right in the middle. There's got to be something where you like, I wouldn't where would i, I, I stoop I, myself down to um yeah where's, what's the lowest of the low like you you might be like i'll go on the chase but i wouldn't go on big brother i don't know where the oh, middle is but what's God, the, I, I what could you have i couldn't do big, do you know what i think the lowest i would do and i would do it just because i'd like to test myself i would do come dine with me i think because i'd yeah. like to i'd like to you know i'd like to be seeing how I could maybe produce something that people can rate and, you know, obviously because it's not just the meal, it's the experience, the entertainment. But I'd love to see afterwards, I'd love to watch it back and go, right, what did they really think of me? And um, say like, you know, you've got, you've got, I don't know, say like you've got Barbara from Tootin who's said that your, your, um, your, you know, your, your meat was undercooked and the vegetables were hard. And just like afterwards you go, that bitch. Um, yeah, I haven't like seen her for six months, but you know, I'm going to text her now because she gave me her number for some reason. Why did you say that? Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I'd say that. Or when I was younger, a show that I really did enjoy. And um, the, the, the legend that was, uh, he's not dead, uh, Dave Benson Phillips on Get Your Own Back. <laughs> That sounded really bad. I didn't mean to make it sound like he was gone. Um, no, yes, the legend that was. The legend that is know. Dave Benson Phillips. Nobody would know. Dave Benson Phillips, I happen to know for a fact, basically nowadays, he, he's, he's great. He takes the, um, what was it called? Get Your Own Back? Yeah. Yeah, he takes that show on the road. So he he does it at like bachelor parties and stuff. And he makes the money, his his main income. Sorry if my laugh was really loud then, I just realised. His main um, <laughs> income is selling the slime because he's got the intellectual property rights over that slime. This sounds like I'm doing a bit. This is real. <laughs> he makes wow. most of his money selling that slime um, to places that want to do a similar thing to get your own back. Yes, that's Jesus. a good shout. Jesus Christ. Do you know what? If... um. If the day comes and I get married, I think I'm going to have to go. Right, um, guys, I've got an idea for the bachelor party now. I know we said we would go to Vegas, but I've got something much better. Um, <laughs> I think I would Welcome have to go to with that now. I'd have, <laughs> I'd have to go. I'd, I'd have to actually... I'd actually actually have to have Dave Benson Phillips, I think, hosting it, and I literally just have to go right. Joe, what? Fuck it, I've won. But anyway, just 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 gunge me, do it. <laughs> I, do you... I, I, could, I couldn't. I don't think I could get away from it unscathed. I'd have to go right. Yes, just just do your worst, go on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like, you've got to get into the spirit of it. Do you think right, Dave, Dave Benson Phillips? He is. I like to think he's got the self awareness to know that he was a fairly but well-known sort of British TV personality, obviously at the height, the peak nineties fame. Yeah. And that now the fact that he's still trying to live that dream every, every night at people's <laughs> bachelor parties, I like to think he's got the self-awareness to, that he knows that he's doing it ironically. And it's a bit of a laugh, but there is every chance that he's in his mind. He's still, <laughs> he's still on TV and it's basically just a smaller production, but that, that he's still at the height of it. Do you think, he would have appeared in that episode where of extras where Ricky Gervais got all those, you know, he got Chico to oh, come. Oh yes. Yes. The big uh, brother. Episode. Yeah. yeah. They, I've got so much respect for those people playing themselves, except mm. they're obviously admitting that they're like Z list celebrities. Mm. Lionel Blair was on it. Do you think Dave Benson Phillips would have taken that job? Or do we think that he's, he's like, what? No, I'm still, you know, I'm Dave Benson Phillips. of, of <laughs> You know, uh, I reckon if he'd been offered it, he would have taken it. There would have been no question about that. He would have been, he would have literally just, he would have said, right, I, I can do it, but you know, you've got to let me gun you on TV. And Ricky's face probably like, ah, do you have to though? Yes, I've got to do it. Yeah, but do you have to though? Because uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a bit of a serious actor. Um, I can imagine that would have been the conversation. It's like, right, yeah, we're not having Dave Benson Phillips. He's out. Yeah, yeah. Can we, uh, 
can we just sort of talk about your inner sadness, remind you for inner sadness and tragedy of the sad clown lifestyle and then guns you with a, a symbol of your own defeat? Like, can we just drench you in your own bad life choices? Oh, God. Okay, right, okay. I've, sh- I've shared mine there, Jordan. So you need to tell me, what show would you stoop yourself down to go on to? Oh, you know what is so odd is because I'm a comedian, so I get a bit of an... I get a bit of a lucky sort of out because if I go on any show, I get to do it as a joke. Um, I, I, because of my ego, I would only go on. <laughs> I would only go on them if it was like, uh, let's say, pointless celebrities or like, come down with me, celebrities. Because I'm a Z-list celebrity myself. Mm. I, I just about make the alphabet because of my reality TV past. But like, I the only difference for me is that if they offered it to me and I got there and it was the regular version, then I'd be, I'd be devastated. <laughs> I'm not doing this so shit. Sad. Call me in three months My, when you're doing the new recordings. Um. That's it. Only that. I would do... Um, uh, yeah, if it was the celebrity version, I'd do any of them. I would not be picking... I'd do Celebrity Big Brother. Oh, God, could you no imagine, can you imagine what they could do? Imagine if they tried putting you on something like Celebrity 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you you said you'd do it if it had celebrity slapped on it. Oh yes, well um, that's that's when you got to say to to your lovely wife, go um, yeah, sorry darling, um, the money was too good, but don't worry, they're never gonna meet me anyway because when I get over there, they're gonna avoid me for the free trips, (laughs) and I'll be straight back home, and then I'm gonna get hundred thousand pound for just saying, well, I tried. (laughs) I like your your estimations of what we get paid for reality tv are very very liberal <laughs> that's very kind of you I'd, I'd i'd hazard a guess that it's probably more like a, a marks and spencer's meal deal on the plane <laughs> and like yeah a couple of quid for spending money yes um, we're gonna give you a rolex watch Alice. as well um rolex doesn't have free l's oh, yeah. in it oh but yeah you've got a watch there you go <laughs> <laughs> uh, my friends alice and luke one uh comes on with me a I guess a few, a couple of seasons ago, yeah. they're like a panto couple, bless them. Okay. And they, uh... I was just about to say, oh no, they're not. But I thought, I'm, oh, I said it anyway. <laughs> never mind. Yeah. They, um, apparently, yeah, they had a great time with everyone, and then they, when they watched it back, they were being bad mouthed. But they, they just played it like a nice couple. I think mm. that was the idea. I, I like the idea that like when you watch it now, because most people are quite TV savvy. We know when the editing is done in someone's favour. Like because they're like they need a villain. So if somebody's not that bad, they'll use the same clip of them insulting, you know, the the uh, the strong enough over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, I'd do anything food related, and I was jump. I wouldn't even care if it wasn't the celebrity version of of a uh, get your own back reboot. I'd definitely do it just to meet the man himself. Exactly. That's what I mean. Dave Benson Phillips. I think that was the guy you watched every afternoon when you came home from school. You always watched that show. And I think, you know, just to be in his presence, if they ever said, yes, we're going to do a, a TV revival of get your own back. I'd literally be the first person to get their entry in. I'll be like, yes, I'm going on there. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care whatever happens. I want to be on that show. And I'll exactly. probably purposely get every question wrong just so I can go flying straight into the, the guns <laughs> pool, you know. That'd literally be it. And I'd love it. I'd love it just because it'd be such a... I think it'd just be one of the best experiences. And you'd be like, right. Um, so do you remember when you were when you, when you you were a kid and you watched Dave Benson Phillips on Get Your Own Back? Yeah. And you know when you were 32 years old and you went on the show? Yeah. Did you not think maybe that was a bit too much? No. That was the best yeah. thing I ever did. What are you on about? <laughs> Speaking of childhood, like because I was a little white kid, um, I still am white, obviously, but I'm just not child. I was, was, was going to say, unless yeah. someone's about to tell me something wrong, hey, yes, yeah, sir, no, <laughs> very different kind of transition. I was a little white child and I grew up around loads of other white children, so I didn't have a particularly uh, nuanced understanding of like racial di- like identities. Yeah. I thought Dave Benson Phillips was Ainsley Harriet, and so whenever <laughs> they would do um, the what was it with the red peppers and the green. Green peppers oh, and ready, steady cook. Ready, yeah. steady cook. Because <laughs> my little mashed up child brain, I always used to think this episode is really boring of Get Your Own Back. <laughs> I was like, when are they going to do the scunge? No is this the, is this the Is this the parents' version of Get Your Own Back? Because there's yeah, no gunge. There's no actual exactly task apart from cooking. This is quite dull. Like sometimes <laughs> you'd see a, a grown-up talk show and I'd be like, oh, this is like my cartoons, except no one's doing anything weird and wacky. And I... I, I then you get older and you're like, oh no, these are made for adults. That is exactly what I thought. I thought this is the nighttime one that I'm not I'm not supposed to watch of getting your own back. <laughs> That's so weird that you said that. That is exactly what I used to think. But 
something about like Dave Benson Phillips, and you know, you think of like a lot of uh, a lot of people that were probably like really big, really popular in the eighties and nineties, and then they'll see in their later career they kind of fizzled down. You always used to have the ones that go to the nightclubs, didn't you? You always used to have the ones that would say, "Yes, I'm going to tour around all the liquid nightclubs all around the UK." Or, oh, I'm gonna... And um, I remember, was it Keith Harris and Orville? That was that was a strange, strange night, but it was so funny. And the horrible thing was, was that I think me and my mate who was um, in the club, we were kind of, we were kind of enjoying it. We were kind of getting a good laugh out of it. But everyone else was kind of like just, just messing about and like throwing out insults. And I, I actually at one point just went, "Wait, the man's a legend. Just shut up. Let him do his job." That's and that was how I felt. And and and. Obviously, I was I was about a good nine or ten drinks in at that point. So obviously, anything I said probably sounded more like blah 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 blah. And, you know. Yeah, but you'd have got up and you'd have taken a taken a. a Bill, if I got up on the stage, I probably would have nicked Orville and run off. Um, at that stage. <laughs> oh, that would be that, the that, that would have uh, been something uh, to have got in the news for. <laughs> yeah, that like when you see people that have got like a street sign or a cone or something mm. in there, like in a student house, and it's like held up as this trophy having Orville on your mantelpiece and like like, don't tell anyone but come in here let let me show you this you're like that's the that's the Orville and then just next to a newspaper clipping of his just Keith Harris's (laughs) hand yeah yeah, just his bare hand there in like a a crane position just pretending it's still got Orville Um, no uh... he's become a bare knuckle boxer he's just got (laughs) utilised utilised the hand that he's trained so so for so many years saying that saying that um like yeah what you bring home from like a from a drunken night one of the i remember when i was on holiday um with some friends when we was in ibiza and be honest one of my friends um didn't so much take home someone but uh you know um there was a there was a certain place near our hotel where you could go and um basically um let's say pay for some uh some attention um <laughs> and and i thought you were just gonna drop all analogy whatsoever you're like so there's a place in the house where you could go and sort of just pay for some uh sexual intercourse yeah. but, but my, my, my mate who went in um because we were coming back from from uh, obviously a like night out of drinking this was about four half four in the morning we're walking past um because we had to go past this uh, this uh, i'm just gonna say it, it was a whorehouse basically we walked past it every time <laughs> totally the other direction. yeah we yeah, walked past right. it every time we were obviously going to and from our hotel going to the going to the main the main area going to like the town when we were walking back one night all of a sudden like just looked around i went where's I ain't, I'm Joe. I, 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 I'm not, I don't really speak to him anymore. But um, I just went, "Where's, where's Paul gone?" And all of a sudden, we looked around and we could just see he's, he's walking in. He's, and we're like, what? and, uh, and one of my mates went, "Should we go and get him?" And I went, "No, leave him. He knows what he's doing. He's all right." And then we went back to the hotel. About twenty, twenty-five minutes later, he came back and he was a bit flushed. He was all like. He was quite happy. He had this big smile on his face. So he went, you're right. Paul. He went, yeah, mate, I had such a good time. I went, oh, did you? Oh, that's good. Um, I said, uh, you obviously, um, what was I? I said, what, what, what? And I went, what did you do? And I thought, what the fuck did he do? In the... Yes, of course I know what he did in the in the house. So I, I, I don't really need to ask that. And he kind of went into quite a bit of detail. And then he said, he said, oh, that was the best 60 euro I'd ever spent in my life. I went, ah, oh, right. Okay. Very good very nice and then as we're talking he then went he went yeah i can't believe she cost 40 euro i went hang on you just said she cost 60 no 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 it was 40 euro i went ah all right okay and then about five minutes later he went it was 20 euro and i I went well hang on mate i said you're gonna tell me soon that she paid you for it and and he he kept going on about it like the next day he was he was so overjoyed about this this conquest of his and it was a point that one of my mates said can you imagine, you know, how many people have been there? He said, can you imagine what you've probably come away with? <laughs> it's like, Why did he think it was getting cheaper and cheaper in his mind? I it, don't... His story's falling apart and I'm only hearing it third But hand. the thing is, that when we went out there, the boy had, had, a, had a load of money and I think, remembering Kevin and Perry, when they go away and they literally just pack the suitcase full of condoms. No lie, that was his suitcase yeah. pretty much. 
And I think he was thinking he was getting like, you know, he was he was basically the lad. He was getting everything he wanted. No, no, we just went and paid for a prostitute three times while we was over there. That's that's what he done. It's like And I imagine those are those come with their own prophylactic service because they want to vet that <laughs> they want to vet the uh the condoms themselves yeah. they probably have a supplier an in-house supplier or they just kind of mold them themselves <laughs> i like to think there's somebody stamping out like condoms in the, like a little factory downstairs so <laughs> oh joe i just got this so horrible it's a waste of i've just got this horrible like sweatshop feeling it's like they're actually knitting them as they go along it's like yes yeah. <laughs> um yes okay oh yeah we've got three appointments this afternoon hurry up quickly we need these done them no Come on, Grand. <laughs> That's like the, sh- the Shreddies advert. <laughs> We've got all these old ladies knitting Shreddies, but they're just knitting condoms. They're like, do you think putting needles this close to a prophylactic is a good idea? Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. It, it helps the structural integrity of the shaft. <laughs> what a weird sentence to say in a podcast. Oh, my goodness. Why did you tell me that story? I've just realised. where. Do- what was the segue? Because I remember we were just talking about Keith so, Harris. You're saying about like things you br- like you bring away from you when you're drunk, like things. That, oh, yeah, that's yeah. it. So basically, it. for all we're aware, he took away a few STDs. That's uh, that was my my main crazy memories. Afterwards, I think we all made a conscious decision not to like you know shake hands with him or anything because we thought you know we we don't. And <laughs> it sounds horrible, and it probably was, but you know. We don't know, like, these girls have been vetted or anything like that. We don't know if they'd been, you know, whatever. Um, for all we know, they, they could be, they could be like, ba- basically patient zero for, for all we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course, it depends on the on the establishment. It's the same I'll, as, like, a restaurant, I'll, isn't I'll, it? I'll like, put it this way. Quality. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put it this way. Um, if you went past a building, you saw that literally the paint was flaking off in massive chunks and you could actually hear the chunks as they were hitting the floor. If you saw the outside had more cigarette butts than a thousand ashtrays and you saw that the clientele looked like they'd just been on a four-day bender, you wouldn't want to go near there. <laughs> it's like, no. It, it, it looks scary. It just looked very, very scary. Um, I was just about to say name of the place then, but I better not. Um <clears throat> <laughs> Yeah, because now, now that it's been, we've, we've royally bad-mouthed it. We don't want to, like, because, of course, there are other establishments of similar, uh, uh, what's the phrase, a similar service providers yes. of a much higher level of clientele and presumably uh, cleanliness. <laughs> and that, that, paint is, that paint is right up there on the wall. That paint's not going anywhere. The outside is swept to perfection because that's it's odd the things that you've described as <laughs> that you found <laughs> unappealing about this place. But sure, yeah, I'll, I'll take the, the cigarettes. Well, let's let's just put it this way: my my idea of what I saw was just from the outside. From the inside, it could have been a palace for all I know. It could have been paved with twenty-four karat gold, but I would not. Exactly, have... it could have been like a sexual TARDIS. It could have the inside was just a magical wonderland of lights and vaginas. I I I would not want to even take that risk. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, I tell you what, like I said, I haven't spoke to this friend for years. But if he ever listens to this and comes back to me, no, he won't. I I, I don't speak to him. I've blocked him on everything. And no, I haven't. Um, <laughs> no, I I just have this the, feeling the virus was so prevalent, the STD was so bad that you're worried you might catch it via the use of the internet. Yeah, yeah, we, that's why I said yeah. No, sorry, mate. Um, got a got a you know we can we can only communicate literally through um. Was it smoke signal? There we go. Yeah, that that'll do. Um, you can see that from ten miles away, can't you? No. Yeah, the cleansing power of smoke. <laughs> oh my god, Joe! You know, every, every every time I do one of these podcasts, I always seem to bring up some very some very obscure story. You know, I spoke about I spoke about a few weeks ago about um, bullying I got from a school teacher, which um, is on episode three. If you want to uh, have a listen to that, um, or even like talking about how at a car park. I had a whinge because the machine, even though this was 2020, was only accepting pound coins that had gone out of circulation three years before. So, you know. I, what the hell? Yeah. You always got to find that, something. That's just a testament to how much of a scam those things are. Parking anyway is so much of a scam. And now they haven't even stopped. They've, now they're not even pretending anymore. Now they're just like, no, yeah, we know. Just we n- none of us check it. They'll check your bloody car, though. They'll check that that's in place, but they've not checked the machine for two yeah. years. Oh. Yeah, and that was it. It was one of the things where it was like, right, yeah, so you see this car park we're in? Yes. Now, we can stay here, 
but somehow we need to acquire ancient money, otherwise we've got to go home. <laughs> and uh, to dig up a Saxon coin yeah. to, so we can stay the extra fifteen and minutes. It was one of the things that actually went to. There was a little like tuck shop near the near the cat um, near the parking machine. I said, "Right, I said, have you got any old pound coins?" And they looked at me as if I'd spat in their face, and they went, "What? What? Why do you want old pound coins?" I went, "Because your bloody machine only takes old pound coins." And they said to me, "Well, can't you do it on chip and pin?" I said. No, because your machine doesn't have chip and pin. Otherwise, I would have done it. So they've got an old machine mm. that only takes old pounds. Yes. And yet, that what that obviously means is that they were not collecting that money. Otherwise, they'd been well aware. Unless they were taking it. To, mm. Yeah, because there was a period of time where you were allowed to take it in, weren't yeah. you, to the bank to change it over. So that's what was happening. Pound coins, when they changed, that annoyed me. Because, <laughs> because a coin, like... Mm. So it, it sudden, what happened? This is like what happened. This is, I had tried to work out a bit about the coins and it never quite landed on stage because I never quite understood why it made me so angry. But the new pounds all have these little flat sides. Yes. So it's like a little ninja star. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's an exaggeration, but it's got these weird points. And that is because they've literally cut corners off of it to save money on the materials. So it's less of a pound like that that bit would originally have been filled in with more. And I think that that's a dangerous precedent to set with anything, that, that it's okay to just cut the corners off and you're like, well, it still looks, sort of looks like a circle. What if <laughs> the next time you look at it, like it's a pentagon and then a square and then like just a little triangle, I don't know. Like, I don't like that how much of an insult it is that they literally cut corners off of it and expected everyone to go along with it. If that, if they started doing that with other circular things, that's the bit I was trying to work out that never quite landed on stage. But I kept imagining, like, I kept, I, <laughs> I was like, what would happen if, you know, you went to get a baby bill one day and suddenly it was just a dearly triangle, <laughs> and you're just like, oh, it's fine, you know, I'll just go along with it because I'm just a cog in the machine. When you were saying about the pound coins, saying they were like throwing stars, I was just imagine you just testing out someone like, you know, yeah, have a pound coin, have a pound coin, go, 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 like literally, like just seeing if it sticks in someone's face, have a pound coin. Yeah. Oh God, I, I can't, I <laughs> yeah. can't buy me lunch now. Shit. Um, <laughs> Become dangerous, dangerous little objects. Oh. Yeah, we, we've talked about some weird things that suck and after the story about my friend in the whorehouse I'm sure that probably had some other sucking connotation but I <laughs> I like to I like to think that in every every chat that I do every time um, I can have a talk like this we can find something to basically bring a bring a bit of happiness you know talk about something that makes us feel good and you know end on a high note because yeah i might say that all things suck but that's just the opinion that i have and i like to think that maybe jordan what in your life brings you happiness there is one thing that always brought me happiness as a child and it is probably the one redeeming thing about life today that still reminds me of that happiness and it is <laughs> it's those little square sponge cakes that you can get in Greg's. They've got the pink icing on top. They're called Tottenham Cakes. And they're the only thing in this world that, <laughs> that makes me truly happy inside. And that's been taken away from me. So we've started baking at home. And so really, the, the answer to your question is the thing that's making me happy right now is that I'm going to attempt for the first time in my life to make my own Tottenham cake from scratch. Oh. Uh yeah, in in our new kitchen because we've just moved. So, yeah, that's uh, what I like about that is it's quite simple and has clearly defined goals to it. It's not nebulous. It's, it can it can either go wrong or it can go right, but there's no way of misinterpreting it once it's made. So that's that's good. That makes me feel quite comforted. Every time I ask that question, I don't know what ex answer I'm expecting, but to hear about oh, you know, the thing that I like the most is the cake you know it's the it's the tottenham cake that seals it for me and it's like i've got i've got no answer no comeback for that one at all because <laughs> i was expecting maybe maybe you to say oh you know it's the it's the performing online or something i go well you can perform but you know you've got no one possibly there you know it's a bit and this was something i was talking about for someone as well you like online shows when you're performing to your camera it's a bit hard to gauge the response you're getting. You know, you might have a hundred people watching you going, oh, this is a bit, bit naff, bit rubbish. And, uh, you know, literally just maybe, so 
I thought, why would they silence you? Why, why don't they just actually go off of the, the feed instead? Yeah, it is quite unusual. Yeah. Um, I found the best way to do online shows, and it's advice to any comedians listening that are, like, not, if you're further along in your career than I am, just ignore me. But if you're a, if you're a fledgling comedian, listen to what I've got to say, because it's very important. <laughs> just don't just read your script verbatim if you're doing an online show. Interact with the people in the room, as painful as it sounds or as terrifying as it is, that is so much better because otherwise they might as well be watching television. So just do your stuff, do your material, but touch base with the people. If you see someone smiling, don't let them leave. <laughs> just mention that they're smiling because then they'll smile even more. That is my advice. And yeah, online shows are quite quite nice. It's no Tottenham cake though, John. It's Joe. no Tottenham cake, <laughs> so, yeah. Right. And I can just imagine now, next time I see you pop up online, it'll be like, yes, here's Tottenham cake number one. And you'll be like, um, yes, um, we didn't get the pink icing right. And then Tottenham cake number two, ah, the sponge oh, didn't rise. I'm going to be spanning the feet. Yes. But it'll be the third yeah. Tottenham cake. And you'll go, Joe, what? This is better than Greg's ever made. I'm going to make a fortune. <laughs> and you take it to market. You try to get a business sold on it. And then Greg's will come down on you like a ton of bricks and go, no, you're not taking our idea. I don't know if Greg's has the pattern and the... But you know what? The pattern belongs to an old lady that used to this is sounds yeah, like an urban myth, so maybe it's, yeah it, it's owned by, it's not owned because it's like a, it's like uh you know a beef wellington nobody can own it but it was an old lady at tottenham hotspur football ground and she used to serve a little bit of sponge cake with a bit of jam on top and a tiny bit of desiccated coconut and that's called a tottenham cake and people would love it and she'd set it for like 5p or whatever it was back in the day and then now it's just a, a sort of uh weird modern sterilized facsimile of a cake so it's sponge with pink icing so it's not even jam and coconut but i love it so much because i remember the flavor from when i was little so i'm happy to sort of drink that kool-aid and pretend it's this amazing like folklore in a cake but it's yeah it's just a bit of so it's probably half plastic sorry gregs <laughs> um that's probably not half plastic um i don't know i just love it <clears throat> but that's who invented the tottenham cake so that is that's probably a nice way to kind of round out my answer i think <laughs> It's just in part a bit of cake-related history. I've got no words. This is this is a that's, that is completely frozen. <laughs> Be impressed with my my historical knowledge of little baked squares. Yeah, it's it's one of them weird things. You know, it's like it's like you know when someone says, "Oh, I've got a party trick," and you go, "Yeah, what's your party trick?" Oh, you know, I can do this thing where I can I can bend my fingers backwards or something like that. What's your one? Well, I can tell you, this cake was first invented. No, um, it's like. It's like wow. It's a. It's it's one of the weird things that when you hear a fact like that, you go, I, you go. I don't know why, but I kind of go. Are you telling the truth? Are you saying it because I have no idea myself? You could say anything. For all you tell, you could tell me that Jeff Goldblum fucking made it, and I'll be like, yeah, maybe he did. You know, maybe he went to Tottenham well, once before in his early acting. Career. He landed in Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. He, his alien spacecraft landed in Tottenham, and he brought it from his planet. I can't tell you if it's a fact, but I can tell you that I heard it. <laughs> It's definitely something that I heard, and I so and it's also it's a it's not an interesting enough thing to be a lie. Someone's like, yeah, it was made by this lady at Tottenham Hotspur Football Ground. So I I've assumed this. Yes, it's yes, real. you can't you can't say I'm lying because otherwise I would have made it interesting. Um. <laughs> I've never heard a party trick that's actually impressed me as well. You're so right. Nobody's ever gone like, oh, guess what I can do? I can take my own eyeballs out and juggle them. Like, oh fuck! <laughs> like, no party I, trick has ever been that. I, I think if someone done that, I'd literally be leaving the room. I'd be like, um, we, we we need we need police. We need someone here. We need a specialist. Get someone. Get this fucking nutcase out of here. That that'd be my feeling if I saw that. I'd and you know I, I'm I'm not a I'm not a screamish person at all. But I think if I did see something like that, I think I would probably just run and scream i think if i saw that um, but i can imagine <laughs> yeah, someone has probably attempted that before and you know the results i don't think went too well no i can't imagine it the, <laughs> the rewards outweighed yeah so the, so uh, what, what are you in hospital for oh. well my friend dared me to basically pull my eyes out and juggle them oh how did that work out well let's just put it this way um well, the here. retina's detached <laughs> the one eyeball got eaten by the dog and the other one, they're now trying to save. Ah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I just come to get my appendix out. You know, uh, just usual stuff. Um, well, what a, I think we've put the world to rights. What a cavalcade of um, of delight we've just been through. That was a. Uh, 
Oh, it's it's been emotional. It, it has, and do you know what? I, every every t- every time I I chat with someone, and I'm being completely honest, everyone I speak to is always so lovely, so kind, and it's just nice that we can talk. I like that we can talk about anything. We can go on such tangents, and it makes me think. Right, what was we actually discussing to begin with? It doesn't matter. We had fun. That's all you need. Exactly. Exactly. We landed. It's about the journey. Mm. A lot of things do suck. A lot. Some things don't. A lot of things do. It's not our job to divine what they are. It's just our job to explore, to throw ourselves into the subject and hopefully emerge with a sort of little square cake shaped trophy of, you know, joy and understanding and a shared understanding. Um, I'm going to go make one now because <laughs> I've been thinking about it for the last five minutes. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for talking to me about all the things that suck. Because, uh, like like you've said, most people probably would regard it as a bit of therapy. I don't know if you've mentioned that on your show before, but as you were saying to me off air, it's like, yeah, I share that sentiment. I feel like I've got something off my chest. I don't feel as bad about my fire alarm anymore. <laughs> if it goes off while I'm making a Tottenham cake, then so be it. I'll just get Jeff Goldblum to sing me a little song with his pan pipes, and we'll be fine. <laughs> Oh, that's a that's an image, and that's got to be one of the strangest images I've ever had in my head. But yeah, thank <laughs> thank you. <laughs> wow, um, I'm sure that I'm sure that my sleep pattern is now going to be definitely improved by the idea of Jeff Goldblum basically trying to save you from a fire alarm because of a cake. That's a uh, that, that's yeah. That, that's basically the takeaway from this. If no, if no one else remembers it, anything else from this podcast, you will see Jeff Goldblum basically being a hero for saving a human being because they made a cake too close to a fire alarm. You can follow John Joe on Twitter at John Joe Cosgrove or on the All Things Suck Facebook page. Wait a minute. All Things Suck? Are you trying to say I suck, John Joe? I've never been so insulted in my life. <laughs>